Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Okay, so we are on our home straight. For those of you that have been with us, uh, talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, We've got two more to go after today. And this morning, I've got the privilege of talking on faithfulness. So a quick recap, if you haven't been with us. Uh, In the book of Galatians, it's a letter in the New Testament, which is the sort of back half of your Bible. Uh, There's a guy called Paul, and he's wrote this letter to instruct the church, to teach them. Uh, And he's talking about this this gift of a fruit. It's a a fruit, and it's got these layers or segments to it. You may well remember week one, I think it was, where Doreen shared uh, a Terry's chocolate orange. I don't have any Terry's chocolate oranges today. Uh, But think of that in your mind. Imagine that it only had nine segments to it. It's one fruit, but it's got these nine different characteristics, and they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, sorts of things that you might not write on your CV, but you certainly want to come across that that's who you are. But what does faithfulness mean? Now, before I start, I want to say the Bible talks about faith or faithfulness in, in two ways. Uh, there is faith in God and being faithful for God, and they are slightly different things. Faith in God is like our belief. It's the thing that we believe, and it shapes everything else that happens. So if you ask someone in the street, do you have a, do you have a faith? In that sort of way, you may reply, I'm a Christian. I have faith in Jesus. Faith is a verb. It's, it's really it's like having a chair. You put your faith in something. You sit on something. It results in kind of an action, in a confidence. But faithfulness is slightly different. It's more like kind of the everyday steps you take. With that faith in mind, it's what you do about that. And it shapes how you do, like what you do in the nitty gritty of everyday life. Zoe and I have had some car troubles in our life. Um, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, more, more than that. We routinely buy these old cars that we could afford. And routinely, they would go wrong within a month or two, uh, up to a year. And so we decided last year, it's almost a year in, well, 11 months ago, we bit the bullet, we borrowed some money, and we bought a newer car. It's not brand new, but it's a newer car, and it's got a warranty, which is reassuring for me, because it means if anything goes wrong, I'm not going to be too out of pocket. Uh, we recognise the, the privileged position we're in, but we also have to both drive for our work. Uh, so Zoe gets this nice, reliable car to take her to work to make sure, you know, she's not stuck out in the rain. Uh, and I get the older car that we have. Uh, yeah, oh, I know. Uh, my car is a Ford Mondeo. Oh, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty average. It's a normal car. It's done 135,000 miles. I don't know what that means compared to driving to the moon. I was going to work that out. Uh, but it's fairly high mileage. It's getting on a little bit. But it's diesel. So, you know, they say that they last a bit longer. Anyway, this old one, for me, has earned the class of faithful. I've had it for three years and it's breezed through every single MOT. Can we say Amen. <laughs> absolutely love it right it's not the most fun car to drive but it's steady it's reliable i don't think our newer car has earned the right to be called faithful yet oh my car isn't faithful because it's got four wheels and is a car and i use it as a car it's faithful because it can drive me a long distance and get me home again it's faithful because in winter it starts first time every time (laughs) 
And it's also faithful because every small journey that I do, whether it's to a shop, to drop my kids at school, it could get me there and back again without me really even having to think too much about it. Now, my car's faithfulness may mean nothing. It probably doesn't mean anything to any of you, except for Ryan, who I take to football in occasionally. But it won't mean anything to you. I think that's a bit like the faithfulness we're talking about here in this fruit. Our lives are these sort of daily journeys for God. And we're trying to faithfully live out these, these everyday things. And no one else may notice the faithfulness of our lives. But one person does. And that is God. And I think it's wonderful. And we're going to look at what God thinks about faithfulness. Participation time. I'd like you to shout out. If you had to... I've got a... Uh, how old are kids? Almost eight and six. And I asked them, what do you think faithfulness means? And they shoved a few words in my face that were, for the most part, right. So we're going to see how you compare to my kids. Okay? So if you had to de- describe faithfulness, what other words other than faithful would you use? Shout out. Steady. Steady. Steadfastness. Like that. Yeah, great. Thanks, Victoria. Reliable. Reliable. Yeah, brilliant. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. Persevering. Persevering. Brilliant. Loyal. Loyal. Truthful. Truthful. Brilliant. Yeah, I, just to say, I'm going to read my list out. I've got reliability, trustworthiness, loyalty, dependability, and honesty. Truth. truth. Yeah, great. We're kind of there, aren't we? We all have a good understanding. But sometimes, using a word like faithful, it can kind of get, a li- get lost a little bit. Sometimes those other words can help us build a bit of a scaffolding of what we're talking about when we mean faithfulness. And we're called to live faithful lives, but how do we do that? I'm going to give us two points this morning. Number one is be faithful where you are. Another uh, letter in the Bible, in Corinthians 7, verse 17, Paul says... Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in churches. So every circumstance you find yourself, there's this opportunity to grow in your faithfulness. Do you know, God has called each and every one of us and assigned for us a life of purpose and meaning. We're not men who just fudge through life. There's a purpose. And a sovereign creator of the universe is behind that. So if you don't feel called or utilised this morning, you're not sure what your calling is, what God's purpose is for you, actually you're going to really struggle at times to grow in that sort of sense of faithfulness because I think it grows most when we're clear on what God has for us so that we can steadily, steadfastly, reliably keep treading that path. The reality is you might not enjoy the calling or the purpose that God has given to you. I, when I was like 15, I didn't think I'd be living in Birmingham. I liked swimming in the sea. Birmingham is far away from the sea. It's not the city that I probably would have chosen to live my life in. But now I'm here, I love it. But that's all intertwined with this God's plans for my life and his purposes. And it's that that motivates me and grips me. Reality is, faithfulness and, and all the other fruits that we've been talking about, they grow most in us through seasons of real pain and challenge. I'm going to refer to those as the forgotten places this morning. 
when the Holy Spirit cultivates fruit in our lives, he often works in ways we never ask for or never want. To grow the fruit in love in us, he may actually give us an enemy, not a spouse. To grow the fruit of peace, he may well allow conflict to come into our lives instead of a nice rest. And to grow the fruit of faithfulness, he may send us to forgotten places, the places we wouldn't choose. Forgotten places are those moments in our lives where no one seems to be watching. Our efforts go unseen. We labour away, unnoticed, unthanked. Maybe it's among the nappies, changing diapers. Maybe it's among the dishes. Maybe it's your work desk. Maybe it's when you're filling in an expense form, honestly. Maybe it's here among church in North Birmingham. Maybe the growth's a bit slower than we'd have liked or anticipated. Maybe it's, sometimes it's hard to say, no, no, this is it, I'm on mission for God. And actually it feels a little bit like, what? Oh, don't really understand it fully. Maybe it's alongside rebellious children in our homes or spouses where their love or affection for us has cooled to the point where it's hard work at times. All of us live in forgotten places at times. There's not one person in this room that that won't be true for. But take this moment to be reminded that God knows every season you are in. He knows the challenge and difficulty. So whether you're celebrating in a season of wedding or whether you are in a season of wilderness, God has a plan for you. He wants you to live faithfully wherever you are. Faithfulness is this ongoing choice to put God first. In all circumstances, every decision you make, wherever God has put you, whether that's crossing the street, whether that's helping someone else cross the street, whatever it looks like. I think it's easier often to remain faithful when like, a big challenge comes. So it's like, oh no, someone has, is really ill, they need like a food rope, let's, let's wrap around them, let's care for them. Our adrenaline can kind of kick in, and as humans, we tend to, for the most part, respond quite well when like big problems come. But it's actually in the everyday choices that we make, especially in the season of challenge, that despite their small and insignificant size, you pile these moments of faithful, right, good, reliable, trustworthy, honest choices. You pile them up week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And what is being built is a beautiful tapestry of the grace of God in your life. I can't underestimate that and not not only is it about this tapestry that you're building for yourself to make yourself look good and it's just a gift from God that he'll enable you to live in that faithful way and what's even better is that you are just one tapestry out of a multitude of tapestries that God is building and it's wonderful it's this amazing picture so it's not just a case of drudgery and difficulty and I'll better just keep going even though it's hard no no a tapestry is being painted We just find it hard to see it at times. Charles Spurgeon, he said that some men think that religion lies in great things. It does not. It lies in the little things. So these forgotten places at your work desk or changing nappies, they they might feel like a wilderness. And days come where we feel parched. It feels like we're in like a desert where it's just dry. And give me a drink, as the psalmist in 105 says, I want this rock to sustain me in the desert with some water. You know, and we're going to find relief, guys. We will find relief. 
but we won't find relief in those hidden places, in those forgotten places, in themselves. We find relief in the God who has sent us there, who is alongside us in those moments. Interestingly, God's no stranger to sending his people to deserts. I'm sure we can think of many examples in the Bible where we read about God working through people's hearts in the desert, whether it's the Israelites. No, no, I'm going to teach you guys to learn to prioritise me and put me first. Yes, I'll rescue you from slavery, but this is a season where you need to put me first, learn to trust me completely, not to compromise. And then thousands of years later, there's another man who entered the desert. His name was Jesus, God's son. And encountered the temptations of the devil, but stood firm. Absolutely not. What a good example Jesus is on faithful living. Faithful to the point that he would die on a cross just to be obedient and reliable to his father. Wonderful picture. So God not only sends us to the forgotten places, he also meets us there. So embrace. If you're having a hard time today, embrace it. Learn to see the tapestry that's being built in the midst of that. You know, Jesus is the only one who's going to be able to sustain you in those difficulties. This is the thing that jumped out to me most probably preparing this talk. Proverbs 12, 22 says, God delights in our faithfulness. So simple, isn't it? He delights in our faithfulness. So when things are a bit difficult, when we're willing to make a good choice, to be a dependable person and reliable, we might think that's a small thing, but actually, you've got to understand, you've got this God in heaven looking down, gushing about it, saying, yes, that's my spirit in that child. They're becoming more like me. This is wonderful. If only we would understand that a bit more. God links these everyday small choices and opportunities to act faithfully, directly to serving him. In Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do, so that's all the choices that we make. Work at it with your heart as working for the Lord, not for humans. That means the smallest things we do have a direct line to heaven. Yes, they'll serve people, but they serve God as well. It's wonderful, wonderful. Second point is being faithful with what we have. Jesus, when talking about what the kingdom of God looks like, told a parable, Kathy's going to read us uh, this parable now, and then I'm going to pull out a few points. Go for it, Kathy. Okay, um, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his bags to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the masters of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with, few, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the, master had, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that a harvest where I have not sown. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put your, my money on deposit with the bankers, so, then, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thanks, Cathy. Uh, I'll be really honest, when I read that passage, my first reactions were, poor servant. I don't know about you, but it feels like, oh, it's a bit of a harsh boss, isn't it? Throwing someone out into the outer darkness with gnashing of teeth. All he did was bury some gold. Go back to you, didn't he? I think it's really important when we're reading the Bible that we understand some of the context and the point that Jesus is trying to bring home. So if you're sitting here, like I was, thinking, oh, four, seven, that's not the point of this parable at all. Jesus is basically saying, don't be lazy, be faithful. That's the point. Okay, so we'll just park that and, and land that there. It's a warning about being lazy and it's a celebration of a God who wants to invest and invite you into a life of joy. There's a few things that we learn about the master. The master in this parable is God. And uh, he, uh, there's, a, his, there's a few principles that I, I pulled out uh, going through it. Number one, he's generous. It's his stuff at the end of the day, isn't it? All of our money, our houses, cars, jobs, relationships, friendships, Ultimately, it's all, it all belongs to God. Any material stuff we have in this world belongs to God anyway. We're borrowing it. If you think you can hold on to it, you're fooling yourself. So be faithful while you're here. We haven't got long, have we, really, in the grand scheme of things. So number one, he's generous. He gives them this money to use and take care of. Second thing, which really jumped out to me, he understands each of his servants individually. He knows what they can carry. He knows what they can be responsible for. The fact that one got five, one got two, one got one, basically means, no, no, this guy proves to me, he's, I'll give him more, I'm not going to give this guy five bags. Why would, why would he give someone who buries stuff in the ground five bags of gold? He wouldn't. But he's given this guy an opportunity. He says, no, no, listen, yeah, maybe you haven't proved yourself like this guy. Maybe, maybe you're learning. That's fine, but I really want to invite you in here. He understands each of them individually. He gives them according to what they can handle. That's no different to what God gives to us in our lives. 
So if you're sitting there thinking, well, it's hard to be faithful to God because he doesn't really know how hard I've had it. And, you know, like, what? I don't know. Like, that's not the point. The point is God is inviting you into an opportunity to live how he would live, to be faithful with what you have. The third thing, he, he rewards them. He doesn't just sort of say, right, here's your job. Look after money. I'll have it back when I get back and then whatever. No, it's, no, have the money, be faithful with it, then come and party with me. Because it's going to be a season of joy when I come back. I think that's good. That's how we should be thinking about stuff. When we get to heaven one day, well, God, look at us, good and faithful servants of North Birmingham. Have you looked after your stuff well? Have you looked after your time well? Have you looked after your money well? Well, let's rejoice. Let's see what's happened because of that. It's wonderful. The last one was joyful. So this lazy third servant, the tone shifts. He's not actually complaining, is he, when he's given the money in the first place? They don't hear about him moaning then. He only starts moaning when the guy comes back. When he realises he's done nothing with it, this darker tone seeps in. He pretty much starts blaming the master for being hard with his own stuff, by the way. There's a passage in the Bible about someone falling asleep and they die. Um, but we won't go into that today. Um, I remember really struggling in my job once. Um, don't worry, came back to that. God healed him. Uh, I remember really struggling in my job once. I was a social worker. And I felt like my boss was really coming down hard on me. Uh, it felt like, well, I, I, I think we had slightly different perspectives on what was possible in my work. She needed a job done in a certain way, and I was really struggling to do it in the way that she needed me to do it. That's not a nice place to be in. I don't know if any of you have been in that sort of place. It makes you feel really like inadequate and insecure. Uh, brings up all sorts of feelings. And, and what can happen in that moment, and it, just to be honest, happened with me as well, a bit like this lazy servant. It's easy to blame shift, isn't it? Makes you look better. Well, you give me these ridiculous tasks to do. I can never do all that amount of work in the hours that I'm paid to be here. Yeah, I could work harder. I could, uh, I could try and uh, claim more money for, for the extra hours that you're making me stay here. Actually, there was some stuff that I could have done like to, to change things. I could have asked for some more help. I could have explained, actually, this is who I am. This is what I can do. Can you help me? Because I'm not sure I can do this. But actually, I started slagging off my boss. So she's a bad manager. She doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. It's tempting, isn't it, to shift the blame when we find it hard to be faithful. Zoe has a story. She used to do a paper round. Uh, I asked her yesterday if I could share it. She, said, she didn't reply, but I'm going to do it. Uh, so when she had a paper when she was a teenager, she, uh, she was delivering papers. And the last paper on her round was like really far away, up a big hill. Uh, so so uh, she would just be riding along so, so over, over a fence uh, and forget about that last house like altogether. Until one day, <laughs> lo and behold, the person who lived in the house where all these papers were coming <coughs> realised that there was like a, another address like written on the top of the paper. Probably been collecting like 50,000 papers. 
And uh, Zoe got caught out for not being faithful in delivering her papers because it was easier to not have to ride up the big hill at the end of her round. Walk up the big hill. Walk up the big hill. Even worse, walk with those big bags. Well, that should have been empty by the point. So. <laughs> Can't, can't blame the weight of the bag. But the point is, it's easy, isn't it? Like, it's, it gets these points where it's like, I've been faithful for the most part, and now there's like this one other little bit where, oh, does it really matter? Well, it probably mattered to the person that didn't get their paper that day, in Zoe's example. But we see that in our lives all the time. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to do the right things. Oh, give me a break just once. I can be let off in this area of my life, can't I? Surely God won't mind that if, if the rest of me is looking all right. And the point is, where we started, faithfulness is tied into faith. It's, it's the confidence and the assurance that actually, you know, there's only one way to live, and that is through Jesus. It's for Jesus. And that should encompass every part of our life. So, you might think that God hasn't given you much. Don't make excuses for not living a faithful life. If you're finding it hard, ask. Ask God to help. He'll come running. Lastly, I believe God wants you to hear this morning. As we figure out how to build a loving, generous and faithful community here in North Birmingham, every single one of us will have a role to play. There's an opportunity for you to exercise your faithfulness. Maybe that looks like your work. Maybe it looks like things going on here, like setting up. Just want to point out, James Probert, I think, is the only person in Church Centre North that has been to every single church meeting since we started back in September. And he comes here, he's the only one who can do the tech stuff, he comes here every single Sunday early to set up and make sure we can see things on the screen and sing the words. And he never once asks for praise, affirmation about that, he just slogs away and does it. James, I want to thank you. You model faithfulness so well. It really moves me. And I love it. And, and God loves it. He's gushing. Absolutely gushing. Kathy, serving away at her school. Children that are vulnerable and broken and just need a bit of light in their dark lives. Kathy's there, faithfully listening to them, helping them. It's wonderful. Thank you, Kathy. Zoe, she sits here often running around looking after our kids because I'm busy doing other stuff. Faithfully serving God. And sometimes it's hard to draw the line between what, what we're doing and whether that's worshipping and serving God. But it is, it's worship. So thank you, Zoe. Welcome. They're not the only ones. I could go on for all of us, I'm sure. God loves it. God is gushing about our faithfulness. And when we find it hard, he's there to help us. So consider how to grow in your faithfulness in these areas. How are you going to spend your time? How are you going to spend your money? How are you going to serve others? Are you going to be the reliable person that lets their yes be yes and their no be no? When you say you're going to do something, see it through. Let's do it. Just like Jesus. He saw it through. Can we be that type of community that see things through? That can be relied upon, depended upon? That's what the church should look like, guys. The bride of Christ should look like the most reliable people here in Birmingham. I believe that. And it's the same applies for all those fruits we've been looking at. We should be the most loving community, most gentle community, most self-controlled community. 
So if you want to grow in your faithfulness, grow in your faith in God. Be faithful where God has called you and put you and be faithful with everything that you have. You might not have much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But what you've got, God has given you and he's given you an opportunity to be faithful with it.